people explained to me that they were kind of in a weak place and they were looking for a diet for an array of reasons. Some women were postpartum, some women just looking to lose extra five pounds. They see this glitzy, glam woman with all the flashy shit online and she's preaching 24-7 about this diet and they fall for it because they're like, you know, who, anyone that's like all over the internet, like how could they possibly be dishonest with me? Welcome back to Off The Gram, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss, and navigate the ever-changing landscapes of wellness and social media. Hey guys, this is Jamie. Today's show is very different for us. So let me frame this up for us all. We're not going to do our weekly catch-up or our sweat this segments because today it's all about uncovering truths and letting others do the talking. Let me explain. The program known as F-Factor is a diet plan and a community founded by nutritionist Tanya Zuckerbrot. She rose to popularity not just by touting a high-fiber diet, but through sharing glimpses of her gilded life on social media. In turn, growing a community of followers that followed her as much for her diet advice as they did to covet her luxury handbags, high heels, mansions, and exotifications. Over time, she grew her brand, hanging her hat on claims like her $20,000 fees for private nutrition clients. But don't worry. If you don't have 20 grand laying around for the masses, she offered up diet books as well as protein bars and powders. That's where things started to get sticky. While many people followed Tanya adoringly, there was a growing sense of rumblings just underneath the surface. There were claims of people getting sick from her products, conflicting opinions on the diet safety overall, agnostic of the products she sells, and stories of people who had been bullied, mistreated, or encouraged towards disordered eating as a byproduct of their involvement with the diet. That's where Emily Gellis comes in, and she's here with us today. Emily is an influencer and entrepreneur who became ensconced in the drama in a way she never saw coming, but has vowed to see through until the end. After a chance encounter on social media, Emily began receiving hundreds and then thousands of DMs documenting people's adverse reactions to following the diet and consuming the products. There were rashes, hernias, biopsies, and more. Things were getting weird. Consumers began demanding the release of a certificate of analysis on the products, fearing they may be tainted. The story grew and grew, finding its way to the pages of the New York Times and even the Today Show. In a moment, we're going to get the whole story from Emily, but I want to mention this. The four of us co-hosts on Off the Gram, we don't have a dog in this fight. We started off following this story like everyone else as bystanders. We've watched it unfold and it became painfully clear that something very bad was going on and people were suffering and had been scared to speak up for a very long time. We had an emergency powwow and vowed to use our platform to do the right thing. So we've put together our show today with three individuals who we are so grateful to hear from. Okay. Thanks, Jane. This is Heidi. So let me explain how today's show will work. We'll start by chatting with Emily Gellis, who made public the stories of many, along with a second guest, one close to my heart and a victim of Tanya's, who was a client of mine. When I met Liz in 2016, she was so tiny that I was actually afraid to touch her. But my love and protective instincts for her kicked in immediately. It looked to me like she was a woman struggling and doing her absolute best to find a team of support who could help her on her journey to become healthy and strong. Tanya Zuckerbrot was one of the people Liz went to for help, help on her journey to health, which meant gaining weight for Liz. As anyone who's ever struggled with disordered eating or body image knows, this is a Herculean feat. 
Tragically, what Liz winded up getting $40,000 later was, in my words, abuse. And in her words, feelings of worthlessness, weakness, pliability, and stupidity. Liz has been through an incredible amount of pain, and we are beyond inspired by her strength and bravery to talk with us today and are committed to maintaining her sense of safety in agreeing to participate. Okay, Megan here. So following their interview, Christine and I will be leading a chat with Lauren Slayton. Lauren is the founder of Food Trainers, a New York City consultancy dedicated to weight management and sports nutrition. Lauren holds a master's degree in clinical nutrition from New York University and will join us to break down some of the science behind the diet and what the hell is going on here. Thanks, Megan. So Jamie, again, I'm just going to dive right in here. And first of all, I want to say welcome to Emily and Liz and ladies, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak. So Emily, I'm going to start with you. (laughs) Girl, (laughs) how did this all begin? So take us from that first social media message to the past few weeks where you've blown up everywhere from the New York Times to the Today Show. So it started really harmlessly for me. I was just enjoying some like gossip content on a page called Zemois. I like following their celebrity blinds. And at the height of COVID, people were kind of mad at influencers. And she posed the question and said, if if anyone's pissed at influencers and they want to air it, DM me and here's a comment box. And people, one of the people people were pissed at is Tanya. Some people were pissed at her for like COVID related stuff. But then there was an anonymous tip sent in that was saying that they were a former private client and that Tanya had said horrible things about like being able to not eat in the Holocaust and like, why can't they eat? And I didn't even highlight that. I was really concerned with the part about not taking an antidepressant for fear of gaining weight. And as a mental health advocate myself and somebody that takes anti-anxiety medication, whether this comment was true or not true didn't really concern me. I was more interested in speaking on the conversation and having an open dialogue with my followers about mental health and about how serious it is to protect your mental health and kind of saying that like gaining weight should be the last thing you're worried about if you're talking about taking an antidepressant. And furthermore, like titrating down or going off of an antidepressant is something that should be handled with like extreme care by a medical physician and not by a nutritionist. I did not know at that point in time whether this story was true or untrue. And I made that very clear. So you fast forward to July, these anonymous accounts pop up and these very severe allegations come up about F factor and about these side effects of rashes, hives, the colon removed. And I'm like, what the hell? I'm a Jewish girl from Long Island. I grew up in Great Neck. And I was like, if these allegations are true, like my community is going to know because I, I just I just knew that they would like F factor is very popular in New York. It's very popular where I grew up. Tanya's from Great Neck. I'm from Great Neck. We're kind of the same demo. I'm just a little bit younger. But I know a lot of people that have done F Factor. I have friends of friends, you know, whatever. So I posed the question and I had no idea that I was stepping in shit, like I call it now. I get hundreds of messages that turn into thousands of messages. To this day, I've received over 10,000 complaints in stark contrast to Tanya Zuckerberg, who went on the Today Show and lied to America by telling them that she's only received 56 complaints from 176,000 purchase orders. So I don't know, you do the math. I'm a stranger talking about this for a month and I've received 10,000 complaints. How could the company only receive like 50 complaints? It just is illogical. So then you take it one more step. Then people start telling me that like, you know, they felt very alone. I get all these stories 
and I'm thinking the same thing that, you know, everyone else is thinking, like, why did they not know that each other was going through this? Like, what's the missing link? Then they start telling me that F factor conveniently censors all the information. They delete comments, they block anyone that's considered antagonistic, even if that means just complaining. And if they DM Tanya, she simply tells them to drink more water and that their body's adjusting to this fiber. So then I do a Google search, you know, like every diet has pros and cons, has fans and people that are not a fan, nothing. Only singing Tanya's praises, appearances on the Today Show, on uh, dealing with Miss Universe, like tons of press. You can find out where she lives, her apartment, how expensive it is, but you can't find out anyone that doesn't like F-Factor. It just doesn't make sense. It's not even logical. So then you get to the disordered eating component where people start to shed light. And I'm sure Liz will shed light on this too, where people explained to me that they were kind of in a weak place and they were looking for a diet for an array of reasons. Some women were postpartum, some women just looking to lose the extra five pounds. They see this glitzy glam woman with all the flashy shit online and she's preaching 24 seven about this diet and they fall for it because they're like, you know, who, anyone that's like all over the internet, like how could they possibly be dishonest with me? Like, it, you know, people don't, people that do what I do know how people could be dishonest, but other people don't. And like, God bless them. Like, you know, they're, they're harmless, innocent victims in this story. So I literally start looking into it and people explain to me that in the book, in Tanya's book, which she talks about all the time, she really does encourage eating whole foods. And if you look back to 2011, 2012 videos of Tanya, she even cooks a whole wheat French toast. However, that is starkly changed if you look at 2018 to 2020, where Tanya vilifies bread, vilifies bananas, vilifies oatmeal, um, discourages all fruit except for like a couple of or people are counting blueberries, which is outrageous to me. And but it's true. And I don't blame these women. I blame Tanya and I blame Tanya's dietitian on staff who are literally doing diagrams and showing people that if you eat uh, oatmeal and half a banana, you're basically eating three slices of white bread. In what world do, do you compare like white bread to eating a banana? It's outrageous. And that's kind of where the disordered eating component comes in. So not only do I have 10,000 women telling me about they're getting sick, but I also have women telling me that they're scared of, you know, these very whole and healthy foods that I'm pretty sure any doctor would encourage you to eat. And they're telling me they're scared of fruit. They're making jokes about the three bite rule. Like they, they live their life by these rules. And I'm just thinking to myself, oh my God. And, and then in the last week, people start writing me and saying like, thank you so much because of you. Like I ate a banana, I ate oatmeal. And while I'm flattered that I was able to have such an effect, I'm, I'm disturbed beyond belief that this is the world that these women were living in. And, you know, the censorship is an issue, the lack of accountability is an issue, the inability to, to release a COA, like they went on the Today Show and tried to, you know, stick it to me or whatever by releasing a COA for their chocolate protein powder. But experts in the field said it looked weird. I'm not an expert, so I don't know. But it's not their most popular flavor. People bake all day long with their vanilla one. And it's just like, strange. Yeah. I mean, so this is all fascinating. I just want to take one step back for people who might not be as familiar with how the story's unfolded because I've been watching it um, and I and I am familiar with the touch points you're talking about, but it seems to be a threefold issue, right? So number one, there's potentially harmful products and, and I'm not claiming they're harmful. I'm saying that what you have uncovered and what has been yeah. sent to you is proof in the form of 
pictures, receipts, doctor's receipts of people getting these weird rashes, bumps, lumps, eye swelling, mold over their baked goods that look super weird from baking with the powders, all this stuff. So there's the products. And then there's kind of the the two other parts, the flaws in the overarching diet, and then also the F-factor response to it all, which is really kind of aggression and a cover-up rather than accountability. Does that sound right? Yeah, you summed it up very well. Well, Heidi, I know I know you also want to uh, yeah. pivot here for a minute. So let's let's take totally. it there. So thank you, Emily, for giving us this like broad strokes picture of this because you know you have the viewpoint of tens of thousands of complaints. It's amazing. <laughs> so I just want to pivot over to Liz for a little bit. And uh, Liz, first of all, again, thank you so much for your courage in joining us today. I know how much this has affected you by our conversations and everything that you've shared. And I'm honored that you're sharing. Thank you. I just wondered if you could please talk a little about just to like paint the picture. Why did you choose Tanya? And what did she say that she could do for you? I first heard about Tanya on a podcast. I had never heard of her before then. And she really knew what she was talking about. Now, back then, I was an extremely weak person. I was basically a human sponge. Tell me something. Doesn't matter if it's conflicting information. I would sop it up, do research, get enthralled with whatever I was listening to or reading about. So when I went to her website, after listening to the interview, I was taken by surprise. I was like, wow, this is a beautiful website. It's very flashy marketing. That's what really drew me into trying to figure out, hmm, maybe this will actually get me to commit to actually eating. And what what was your weight at that point? My weight was hovering between 76 and 80. Obviously not healthy at five foot three. And it had taken me a really long time to finally even say to myself, yeah, I need to get help. So when I hear that not only is she a registered dietitian, but that she has clinical expertise in both eating disorder management and Crohn's disease management, both of which I have, thankfully, I'm in you know way far recovery from the eating disorder, which was anorexia. She really just told me that she could take me on because she could tell that mentally I was in a good state to do it because I wasn't in denial anymore. And so I felt like this is a perfect investment. I'm finally going to take my health in the right direction with someone who knows what they're doing and help me eat real food. So at what point did you get red flags or realize that it wasn't going the way that you wanted it to? Well, one thing I do want to emphasize is that the VIP package, which is with Tanya, since she's the founder of the company, is $20,000 for 12 sessions. So that's why when I decided to invest, I wanted to make sure that she was going to be in charge of all of these sessions, not you know appear in one session and then I was pushed off to another dietitian. So I was told that she would be with me for 11 of those sessions. And then one of the sessions, which is the two-hour education session, was with one of her dietitians that she trains herself. So even though it kind of felt like a little bit of a red flag in my mind of why is she not being there to help me with the longest session, again, weak, figuring she knows what she's doing, I'll do it. So the session started off great. 
she went over likes and dislikes, foods I'd be willing to try, and everything was whole foods. The only thing that seemed a little weird at first was that she wanted me to use fat-free and low-fat dairy, even though I was trying to gain weight. But again, trying to listen to the expert. And eventually, when her products came out, because they came out, I feel like maybe a couple months after I started with her. I don't remember the exact time frame of that. But all of a sudden, it was switching from try more variety, try different fruits, try different vegetables, to cutting down all of these different food choices and replacing it with her powders. Smoothie every day, smoothie twice a day. Could do a smoothie three times a day if you really feel like it. Try a bar. So it was going back to this fear in my head of actual food. Can you uh, tell everyone the story about the bar when Tanya was trying it in the office? Yes. She received a box of the bars when they first came from the production line. She wasn't happy with them because they were too sticky. So she wanted to send them back. And they were made, I believe, with whey protein at the time. So there was like an apple flavor, chocolate, and I think there was going to be peanut butter. So she sent it back because she said, I'm not happy with these. So I respect that. I was like, great. Sounds like she's going to stand behind her product. So a new production line comes in, and this was way after that first initial batch that she wasn't happy with came in. So we had our FaceTime session, and she tried one of the bars on camera. So she broke off a piece, tried it. And at this time, she said that she wanted vegan protein powder because that's what people were asking for. She said it in not-so-nice terms to the people who asked for the vegan protein. I will leave out the profanities, um, but she did not like it. But she said, I'm just going to put it out there. We've changed it enough. And then she told you something about her real clients with her package versus the advice she doles out in the book. Can you speak to that a little? She said, Liz, as my private client, you get the whole truth and nothing but the truth. She said very demeaning things about people who buy her book versus people who pay for private client privileges. Now, my thing is, of course, if someone is paying to work with a dietitian, I think it makes sense that they do get different information. Well, not different information, but more information, more help, more support along the way. But it shouldn't be conflicting with what's going on in the book that's out there for the public, whether the public feels like I can do this on my own with a book guideline or if they can't afford the private sessions. But there shouldn't be conflicting information or putting down people for buying your books. And her whole thing was, as her private client, I was required to stay on step one. She told me that step two and step three would lead to weight gain and that for most of the people buying her book, step three would lead to weight loss because they're already used to eating too many calories and that would be a cut down for them. And how many calories is step one? She told me 800 to 1,000 calories. And you were trying to gain weight? Correct. I was also trying to not have a fear of food or a fear of a normal intake. And she told me, that because there's so much fiber, you would feel full while eating less. Which wasn't your goal? <laughs> Correct. And she also said that all the fiber would rev up the metabolism. And then what happened when you started eating all these powders and bars? What happened to you physically? So I'm usually known for having porcelain skin. And when I started consuming her powders, this was a couple months into consuming them because, again, 
I was consuming her powders at least two to three times a day. So not only is that an astronomical amount of fiber, especially for someone my size, also required to drink three liters of water. All of a sudden, I started breaking out in these red dots. And I've said this quote before, made me look like I was covered in a red Sharpie pen. And at first, I was like, is this... Am I allergic to something in the air with the weather changing? Because I didn't put two and two together that something could be wrong with what I'm eating. And I didn't want to question anything. And my doctor didn't know. My allergist didn't know. And because it was getting so uncomfortable with the itching and soreness, and it just kept clustering all over my skin, head to toe, I had to get a skin biopsy. So I had to have that done on my abdomen because that's where most of the red dots were. And because of that, I had blue stitches for eight weeks, couldn't do anything, couldn't exercise, couldn't lift anything heavy because the stitches were very sensitive in terms of where they were. They could have split if I tried to do anything. And the test after all that came back inconclusive. So I went through all that and then I still had all of these horrible sores and itchy spots. And it wasn't until I stopped working with her and removed the powders that everything started to magically clear up. Ugh, that sounds so. Yeah, I'm so sorry that you went through that, Liz. It sounds. I, I just wanted to toss it to to Emily because we've heard so much of this, Emily, and I wanted to ask you the question because this sounds so on par with what I've been watching you uncover on your Instagram stories, the complaints you've been getting from so many people. And I have now, I think, read over the past two weeks as I've been following you, the dozens and dozens of people who underwent painful biopsies and all these different medical procedures to try to get to the bottom of these rashes and these lumps and bumps and all of their doctors seemed stumped. So is this kind of like, it sounds aligned with what you're uncovering, right? Yeah, it's very common. Um, It's come up. I, I can't, I don't know. I don't know a number, so I'm not going to say a number, but it, it, it's impossible to say at this point that there's no correlation. I would be willing to bet my life that there is because I've heard from a lot of women that say they've done absolutely nothing different about their diet except for incorporate these powders. And that when they stop, most of them have the symptoms subside. So as a logical person, they've made the logical conclusion that it's coming from the powder. What are some of the other weirdest complaints that you've received? Like I've, I've read a lot of like males developing like lumps, like under their arms or in yeah, their um, or eye swelling. So a lot of UTIs, which people were very confused about, but it has to do probably with some bacteria or so, just like your body's way of like being like this product sucks and get it out of my body. Like, you know, like your body's reacting negatively to a product and just trying to like tell you something's wrong. So UTIs, I mean, I mean, the most damning is somebody that had three quarters of their colon removed that they're never getting back, you know, blood work, heavy metal testing, certain different bacteria testing, like all different things that they just exactly like these doctors were stumped because yeah, I don't think that they really go in talking about diet that much. You know, they're, they're going in gastric, gastric distress or with you know, these other symptoms that are not lining up, you know, like a UTI, you don't usually link to a protein powder. It just, it's just not a logical thing. And, you know, doctors are busy, especially when you're in the emergency room, you know, you're freaking out. You don't know what's wrong with you. You're in pain. 
they're trying to do the logical things like what causes a UTI like or what causes this bleeding like there's also been rectal bleeding very dangerous like I actually had a doctor reach out to me after seeing one of the woman's complaints because she said she had been bleeding in her stool and she had made an appointment with the doctor but the doctor wasn't able to see her until September and the doctor wrote me and said, I'm a, I'm a, a medical professional. Please write this person right now and ask them to go to the emergency room because you can die from rectal bleeding. Like, it's not a joke. It's not like, oh, it's not something to wait about. And I know this because my father-in-law had very dangerous diverticulitis that almost killed him multiple times. So any area that you're losing blood is dangerous. And at this point, again, it's not an attack game. It's like people ask me, like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why? Because I'm getting thousands of messages where women's lives are literally on the line. Anyone that wants to break this down to a cat fight, it's really pathetic. Anyone that says, like, I want to be Tanya is also ridiculous. It's absurd. And and I spoke to um, Dumois, who is, a, a, who is anonymous to everyone, but is a friend of mine. And I know her for a very long time. We just spoke on the phone for like an hour a few hours ago. And she was like, nobody understands because when she first posted about Tanya, she also started getting these complaints, but she never aired them. She only aired some of them. And she was like, people don't understand the emotional impact on some, on us. And when we're influencers, we usually do pretty lighthearted shit. Sometimes we talk about heavier stuff. We don't usually go to these depths, but you wake, I wake up in the morning and every morning I'm waking up five, 6 a.m. To, to like hundreds of messages. And then they turn into thousands. And these women are in pain and suffering. It's a very heavy thing. And it was too much of a weight for me to be like, nah, I'm just going to turn my back on these people. I, I, there was no way I could have done it. Even though for me, emotionally, it would have been easier. I'm now dealing with all sorts of like financial things that I'm going to have to go and put money on the line to go and speak so that I can make sure that I'm protected legally. It's a mess, but I did it because I, I felt like I have a moral compass and like, I didn't have another choice. There wasn't a way for me to pivot out of this. Like victims like Liz, were not going to be the first ones to come forward. Like I have a following, which is why people were listening. And, you know, I say that it, it could have been anyone, but like, I have a large following and like, it's the news spread very quickly. And like when people say like, okay, you've done enough. Like, are you going to stop? Well, yeah. When the messages stop, I'll stop. Or when like there's some sort of justice for these women, I'll stop, you know? And they're like, you're tearing her down. No, no, no. I'm not tearing her down. You know, as, as a marketing decision, Tanya is F factor and F factor is Tanya. I called it today in a live a la Kardashian. There's brands like a Balenciaga and Gucci and Fendi. Do you do you associate a person? No, because the designers of those brands do not make it about them. But then there's the Kardashian style where Kim Kardashian is her brand. And then she's also Kim Kardashian. Tanya Zuckerbrot is her brand. And she's also F Factor. F Factor is synonymous with Tanya Zuckerbrot. And Tanya made it that way. So if I criticize F Factor, I, I'm not trying to criticize Tanya, but that's her brand. So it's not personal. It's about and it's about the victims. And it's about the censorship and it's about exactly what Liz experienced and all these other women experience. And it is predominantly women and their stories need to be heard. And if, if Tanya wasn't going to let them voice that, then, then I became the person that was. That's it's really amazing that you got so many stories out there, Emily. And I know that I'm sure there are so many people, women, especially who are so grateful to you, giving them a voice. And I wanted to circle back to something you said about a minute ago about saying that, 
people like Liz wouldn't necessarily have the courage or the platform, perhaps, to get their story out and actually have it heard rather than squashed um, and ignored, which would only further the emotional damage. So, Liz, I wanted to ask you if you could talk to us a little bit about your last interaction with Tanya, if that's all right with you. Yes. Well, there wasn't a final interaction because... She did cancel on me at the last minute for a couple sessions, and she would tend to use the same medical excuse each time. I wasn't on Instagram at the time, and when she told me once that she had pink eye, someone who followed her, who knew me, said, and who I talked to a lot, said, weren't you supposed to have a session with her? She's at a luncheon right now with sunglasses. So it was getting really frustrating I knew that I wasn't going to be able to finish up my sessions with her and have any sort of stress-free interaction. I called the front desk and I knew I couldn't get a refund. So I asked if I could finish up my package with one of the other dietitians. And actually it was the one who did that two-hour education session. Are you uncomfortable talking about your last session with Tanya? That's totally fine if you are. Oh, because it wasn't my last session. Oh, that wasn't the last one? You went and saw her after that? Oh, that was in the beginning. Oh, my gosh. Can you tell us about that, please? Sorry. Yes. No, that's fine. I I actually rewrote it in my head because that's how I wanted to believe it went, that that was the last time you talked to her. Oh, yeah, I wish. (laughs) Yeah, I had a session with her the following week, and it was as if nothing happened. Um, So everything was going fine. We were recapping how my meals went. For the last couple of days, because at the beginning I was seeing her twice a week. So we were making sure that I was cooking, making sure I was eating whole foods. Because again, this is before the products. All of a sudden she looks down, looks back up, eyes are really wide. And she says, I know that you've been talking to Ingrid. And I said, okay. She said, Chrissy. And I don't know if Chrissy still works there. She was not a nice person. She said, well, she saw you commenting on Ingrid's Instagram and you were tagging Ingrid. Starts yelling at me, telling me that I'm forbidden to speak with her. And she said, how dare you go behind my back? She said, no one judges me. Only God judges me. She said, you are not allowed to talk to her. And I'm terrible. She's just going on and on. Then she says, I'm late for a meeting. Have to go. Clicked out of the FaceTime. I was sobbing because, again, very weak. I was scared. I thought I did something wrong, even though I didn't know what I did wrong. I kept telling her, don't drop me as a client, blubbering. It was very embarrassing. My entire day was just filled with me being terrified. She never followed up with me. She never maybe thought she was a little harsh. And then the following week had a session. It was like nothing ever happened. And what, just in the interest of getting more of your truth out there, what happened that when you did finally start gaining weight, which was your goal? Can you talk about that time when you came to New York and saw her? Yes. So when I saw her, this was December 2018. And I went to the office, in-person visit, which is rare since I'm out of, you know, not in New York. So I get on the scale and I had put on a considerable amount of weight, which was in the 90 range. And she was alarmed. Even and not positively alarmed. So that didn't make sense to me, and it made me feel insecure because I thought, I'm supposed to be gaining weight, this is hard for me to begin with, 
I was still attached to my skeleton identity since I had seen it for so long. And it was just very uncomfortable. She gave me a hug before I left that was extremely tight and seemed like she was trying to make sure I didn't go against her or try to refute anything. And did she say anything negative to you in that appointment? She said not to go above 99 if it got to that point. And she wrote it on the piece of paper that had my in-body scan, which is what tells body fat, metabolic rate. She makes you stand on the in-body machine, and that's what records everything that, you know, whatever the machine records. Mm -hmm. And she prints it out. And she wrote on the paper 99 for the weight. And so you said she was alarmed and not in a good way. What do you mean by that? I don't know if it was because I went from the 76 range up to 90 and it it hadn't been a full year yet. I don't know. I mean, maybe she just still had in her head that she is a weight loss guru, even though that's, she knows why she, why I took her on as my dietitian. Okay. And then after that, So you left feeling how? Scared. It's a very cold environment. The office, it's beautiful, but everyone, it just seems like everyone's on their toes, clacking around in heels, and everyone is just either looking down in their cubicle or kind of looking at you sideways. I had a lot of people giving me daggers when I was in the waiting room, one of which would be Chrissy, but that's because she knew who I was. I didn't know the rest, so I don't know what was said. I don't know if it had anything to do with how things are run over there. I am not privy to that information. It just didn't seem like a very welcoming office environment. Right. But with the session specifically. Yes. Did she say anything negative to you for gaining the weight? Her whole thing was, she was like, oh, I see where we are. Don't go past 99. And that's when she wrote the 99 on the paper. And again, I'm five foot three. Right. And... Was there ever anything that happened that made, that she did, that made you feel violated or like she'd crossed a line? The yelling and trying to forbid me from talking to people that she had a personal issue with, I had an issue with. My whole thing is if I'm paying $20,000 to be a private client, why am I being treated like the antithesis of a VIP? I don't understand why it's okay for someone Regardless of if you're an employee of someone or if you actually hire the person, why that person thinks it's okay to use tactics that are very harsh and very unprofessional. We were not friends. I was her client. I was her patient. It didn't make any sense that I was, I guess, expected to be subservient and not talk to who I want to talk to. But the yelling and the disrespect was just extremely disconcerting. And then the fact that when the New York Times article came out, and it turned out that she revealed all of my private and other clients private health information and files, that's a direct violation of HIPAA. Yeah. I also found out from her own leaking when she did have that yelling at me over FaceTime, that Chrissy was sitting in on my sessions. And those are supposed to be confidential sessions. The reason why it was revealed is because while I was being yelled at, she would look off camera to confirm whether or not I was talking to someone on Instagram. And I could keep hearing the person say yes, very quietly. 
And just to be clear, um, because people might not know who Ingrid is. So Ingrid is, is who? She is a specialist in hormonal health and physical fitness. And I started working with her to help me undo the damage. I was going to start working with her while working with Tanya because one, my life, my health. Two, I thought that could actually complement what I thought I was trying to do with Tanya. And Ingrid never once brought up anything about any drama or any disagreement, nothing. And it was because of Ingrid's help that I was able to thankfully recover from the damage that was definitely done to my body from one year of working with Tanya at F-Factor. Also, I will note that I got a bone density scan a couple months after I was totally done with F-Factor, and it revealed that I have osteoporosis. And my doctor did say that it was not only due to having anorexia for many years, but also extreme dieting which was continuing throughout that year before I got the scan. It all makes sense, you know, and uh, that's why we're going to continue this conversation in just a few moments with uh, a professional. We're going to shed a little more light on this um, and get a professional POV on, on some more of the ways that this diet and this program and method can be so harmful and learn a little more about that. So thank you both ladies so much for being brave enough to talk about this. I know both of your lives have been intensely affected in different ways, you know, from your involvement in this story. So be, on behalf of Off the Gram, we just really want to thank you for your courage in, in joining us and in just persevering. Thank you so, thank so, you. so much. And now thank we're going to our next chat. Hey, it's Jamie and Christine, and we're so excited to announce a very special Off the Gram event. On October 5th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, Off the Gram podcast goes live, virtually, of course, for the ultimate pajama party, and you're invited. Join us for an intimate chat on mental health and resiliency with the one and only Ariana Huffington. Tickets are $45 and deliver not only a Zoom link to listen in live, but a super fun party in a box packed with luxe goodies and snacks to enjoy during the show. And the best part, 100% of ticket sale proceeds will go directly to Ronald McDonald House, New York, a charity that allows families to stay near when their children are sick and need them most. Head over to offthegram.eventbrite.com to get your tickets. Once your order is processed, we'll email you for your mailing address to send you your box of fun. Get ready. It's a good one. This will be a night of pampered wellness and community brought to you in the way only off the gram camp. So Megan here, Lauren Slayton is an OG in the dietitian space, and we're so grateful for her expert POV here to break down this complex situation a bit further for us. It was really important for us to have a leading expert in this space to shed some light on all of this for us, and we're so happy to have you here, Lauren. Let's start chatting. Chatting, chatting. (laughs) And kudos to you guys for, you know, just covering what's a challenging topic and handling it from all angles, which I think is important too. Yes. Thank you so much, Christine here. Um, Thank you, Lauren, again, for being here. And we want to start off first and have you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background so we can get to know you. 
So I am a registered dietitian. I, uh, I always track um, my business is called Food Trainers. And my I open Food Trainers um, pregnant with my first son, who's now 18. So I can always date the business based on him. Um, I have a private practice. We do some weight loss. We do, you know, sports nutrition. We really cover um, a little bit of a lot of things. And, you know, I dabble in, you know, I give talks and a lot of things. But my favorite thing, which I'm missing desperately right now, is just to be, you know, sort of one on one with with clients and that relationship, which is sacred. Is this and one I just th- want to pop in and just yep. say I still have the food trainers nutcase. It was one of my favorite things <gasps> on the show. Oh, excellent. Oh, you it's well, it, it's well used. Yeah. Oh, that's where you keep all your nuts, Heidi. Yes. Heidi, we all wanted that. We all covered it. We, that could, we could send them to all of you. And the other thing I just wanted to preface this by saying is like, I'm definitely not an expert in the business that we're discussing, but I can give my professional two cents and also just relay mm-hmm. what I've heard over the years. So. Absolutely. And appreciate that kind of background and context. And I think, uh, I think it's really important. So thanks for that transparency as well. And so this is Megan here. And I will say like, I'm pretty versed and connected in the wellness space and and the fitness and diet industry, having been an editor at Self Magazine for nine years. And frankly, like I was not familiar with the F factor Mm. diet, just in terms of the nutritional broad strokes is that it's like a high fiber, low calorie eating plan. Right. And it's interesting that you say that because, you know, I think I'm biased being in this space too, but really people are very split. Either they've heard about, you know, whispers of what's come out now, you know, for years, or they're like, what is everyone, what is this brouhaha? You know? So I think it's, I think it is interesting where people um, come to the table. So yes, I'm, and again, I'm not an expert on the plan. Um, It is a high fiber, you know, food plan. It's, generally low calorie, and it's generally geared towards weight loss. Um, and is and there also- a danger to the high fiber? Like, is that dangerous? Well, it's, it's so funny, because if you look at us as a country, you know, when I when I talk to people, we're, we're encouraging fiber, there is not a dietitian that is anti fiber, you know, it's good for hormone balance and our cholesterol levels and fiber is excellent. But so with real food, you really can't get too much fiber. And most people don't, they get, you know, sort of, they fall below the amount that we want them to be getting. Um, and even if you, there's no upper limit set for fiber because of that. And, but if you do read the literature, it's really funny because it'll say something like, yes, you know, you can experience, you know, sort of serious side effects, but nobody approaches 80 grams of fiber. Well, you do if you're talking about these supplemental fibers. So, but just for context, like what would 80 grams of eating fiber look like? Are we talking about like 900 heads of lettuce? Well, so I'll give you, like, if you take like a basic day, um, because we, calculated without, you know, doctoring it for fiber, just like a basic client day for us. So like maybe breakfast would be eggs, avocado and berries. And maybe the lunch would be a salad with some sort of lean protein um, and a vinaigrette and various vegetables and a nut snack with maybe an apple and then like a sweet potato serving, you know, two cups of vegetables, a sweet potato and a serving of protein. So it's kind of like a basic healthy day. Um, That's 30 grams of fiber. And that's including vegetables twice and fruit twice and a sweet potato. Okay, so now you would have to eat double that and you'd still be at 60 grams. So unless you're sort of a giant guy who's also really healthy, you know, you might get to 50 grams, which is excellent, you know. Mm. Um, But so, yeah, there's a problem with 
um, adding in these supplemental fibers. And the other caution with people, um, you know, interested in fiber or interesting in increasing their fiber is increasing it too quickly, which is the other area I feel like there should be some sort of cautionary note. Before um, we get onto the powders and what the yeah. factor is about, I have a question just personally. I, I tend to eat all the, the real healthy foods I can and lots of vegetables, but I, um, I've i been getting in the habit of putting on my salads and in my smoothies and even sometimes in like scrambled eggs, if I'm making eggs, mm-hmm. I do put like one or two scoops of flaxseed or, you mm-hmm. know, something like that. Is there is there something like, could I overdo that at all? If, if throughout the day, like, let's say I do it maybe breakfast, lunch, and dinner, just a little sprinkle here and there, whether it's yogurt or something like that. Yeah, no, I mean, I think a little bit of, you know, good fat, which would be, could be a flaxseed, a chia seed, avocado, you know, anything like that is recommended. You're, But again, you're in that whole food, you know, territory. So even with chia seeds, which is like, you know, the fiber queen of, of nuts and seeds, um, you would really have to be mainlining chia, you know, to... To get into it. And, and again, your bot, what's been lost in a lot of this, um, and I don't fault anybody, but I think we all have to take ownership back is how are you feeling? Like, I could, I could recommend you, you know, sort of a starting food plan with, of course, the good fats and the fiber. And then my first question is going to be, how are you feeling? And there could be, you know, three of you, and one would say, I feel amazing. Another would say, I think this is too much fiber. And, you know, and somebody else might have, you know, sort of a different complaint. So I think um, no matter what any experts say, we have to at the end, and it's difficult when somebody's convincing, you know, sort of hold it up to the lens of, you know, how are we feeling going through our day? But so the dangers of too much fiber, because we've heard about crazy side effects from skin rashes. Like, I, I understand you would potentially feel like, possibly incredibly constipated with 80 grams of fiber. Mm-hmm. Like what are the side effects of too much fiber from a physiological perspective? Right. What Great question. I mean, and, it, and it, it's beyond discomfort, right? Because we don't want anybody feeling discomfort, but there's also more serious things. So worst case scenario is some sort of a blockage. So there was um, a weight loss medication that was based on a similar fiber to what we're discussing and it was pulled off to, off the market because there were um, esophageal blockages, intestinal blockages, and and actually in that case, not in this case, but in that case, there were deaths. So that's you know sort of an extreme case, but but possible when you're getting to these numbers, depending on the amount somebody hydrates. The other side effect that that concerns me as I'm listening to like people eating more fiber than I've ever had clients eat is you do get mineral malabsorption at high, high doses of fiber, you know, sort of not the doses you're getting with the the day I talked about earlier, but with these extreme numbers. Now, are some of these side effects people experiencing because they're, you know, sort of not absorbing what they need to from food? So that to me is a, you know, sort of a, not a, you know, how many people are going to get an intestinal blockage? I don't know, but it's going to be rare. How many people at that level of fiber are absorbing the nutrients and specifically minerals they need? That, that to me is a big concern. But too much fiber on its own isn't going to suddenly cause some kind of a crazy skin rash or could it? I don't know which ingredient is producing these symptoms. Um, you know, I actually had a phone call with a physician this morning just because I'm not one and, um, you know, sort of said, you know, here's the case. What what do you think is the culprit here? And I know we'll get to it, but the uh, um, amount of mold that was um, recorded was sort of mentioned as one potential 
And you that know, is the these powders, which are a big component of this diet plan that I had never heard of before this uproar. So it is 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 these powders that you're eating in shakes, and and the problem is, are they tainted, or or is there something wrong with the product itself? Yeah, and just to clarify, supplemental fibers preceded these powders in question. So supplemental fibers could be, you know, something made from bran, or there's also brand like Metamucil, for instance. Is that a sub? I mean, I remember having that when I was pregnant. And exactly. that's a supplemental Psyllium fiber. Psyllium is a supplemental fiber. So it's sort of anything that really wouldn't be on its own at the grocery store. So we said this flat Heidi. Yeah. I just want to cut in real quick just to give reference because you guys are talking all these numbers. I went and I looked online at a vitamin store and at Whole Foods and I looked at all of the fiber supplements. And per day for the fiber supplements, there's only five grams of fiber in them. So I just wanted to give that as like a frame of reference Mm because, you know, throwing out the number 80 grams of fiber versus like if somebody's constipated and their doctor tells them to take a fiber supplement, that's five grams of fiber. Yeah. And I also will say that I, you know, after reviewing sort of the expert in question, um, you know, the numbers that are suggested or thrown around are numbers that are recommended 35 grams of fiber. However, I also found where like a day, what is this, what does this diet look like a day with these numbers? And before you added in food, just based on the you know recipes with these fibers was 80 grams before vegetables and fruit. So I, I don't think, I don't think anybody's sort of really addressing that we're not talking about your, the five grams you saw or the, you know, sort of oatmeal somebody's eating. We're talking about, you know, sort of a completely different stratosphere. And back to Megan, what Megan was saying, where we saw some of these images and we've heard so many instances where people were baking with these powders and, the, mm-hmm. and you know, day two, or even like later that day after they were baked and covered, they were, the pictures I saw were completely covered in mold. What mm-hmm. could that be just from the part of the ingredient or is it do you know, you know, what that could well, be again, from? Not a, not a food scientist. I right, so. like to always stay in my lane. Um, but yeah, when I did bring it up to um, the physician that I spoke to, again, because there it's been, um, I've heard claims that, oh, if people are reacting, they're reacting to the um, dairy and whey protein, which is in these powders. However, well, that's what com- you said on the Today Show. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. That's a, it's a, I mean, you can, anyone can, you know, have a reaction to dairy, but it's a very commonly used powder. And, you know, it's one that I use in teens a lot and um, have never had anybody have an adverse reaction of that type. So I, I think the difficulty here is we can talk about what makes a healthy diet. I don't, I don't think we know at this point, and frankly, I'm baffled why these are still, you know, sort of available for sale. Is it, is it the mold? Is it the uh, quantity of fiber? Is it, you know, is it some sort of synergy that we don't know about? But I think, again, we're all concerned about it. I, I wish the, the company was equally concerned. But this is a space that's not regulated, correct? I mean, it's, right. it's in the supplement space. So the FDA is not really looking down on it. What does it take for some, for the, you know, for a regulatory board to come in and say, hey, listen, pull, the, pull this from the shelves? Right. I, I mean, I think, again, the there is how you can compare it to. And what I went back to is, so I was like thinking, when have I discussed guar gum? So I realized I literally just met, I wrote an article for Bobby Brown's website on nut milks. And I had like a little asterisk with um, caution for nut milks with guar gum. If, if you have GI issues, this, this might affect you. Now in 
there is a standard for things like, you know, nut milk and, and milk itself. And that would be the equivalent of having the highest percentage that's safe for the FDA in any food category that this ingredient is used for is 2%, which for like a cup of nut milk equated to 2.4 grams of this substance. Now we're talking about 20 per scoop. So even if it's not regulated, I think that if you're doing your due diligence when you're creating a product, you would kind of look at those regulations and suggest. So guar gum, what is guar gum? And that that is the primary ingredient in these 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 shakes that are part of the A factor diet? Right. So this protein, when I looked at it, the first ingredient is whey protein, um, which is a pro- a dairy protein. The second ingredient is guar gum. Now I have to say, I've been sitting actually in the same chair for almost 20 years and also had been in research before that. Guar gum, my only experience with guar gum is as a thickener, a thickener used in products, in, in baking, in minute amounts. And it is, it's made from a bean. It is, you know, it's not some like Franken fiber weird thing, but it's used generally in tiny amounts and you can still react to tiny amounts. So just to just to do some research, I called up a company, Bob's Red Mill, who makes a lot of grain. Oh, I love Bob. Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. I mean, oats and, you know, great, you know, fibers and um, they sell guar gum. So I was like, let, let me, you know, I know my opinion, but like, let me just like, they sell this product. So I asked for a supervisor and I spoke to them and I said, is there um, an upper limit or, a, you know, a, a concern about guar gum in, in high doses? And they said to me, high doses, you use like, you know, a teaspoon if you're making like a quick bread. I don't even know what a quick bread is, but that was <laughs> that was their example. And I said, well, you know, have you heard of this being used as, uh, I think, as a fiber supplement? And it was as if they, it was the weirdest question they had ever, you know, you know, been asked. And they said, no, you, you, you know, it's, we use it, you use it this way. So that's, that's how it's used. And even in those small doses, um, because it, 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 it's used as a thickener because it attracts water. Now think about when you have a tremendous dose of that, and it's drawing a tremendous amount of water in you, you have a danger in your intestines potentially. Oh and that's yeah. to feel full probably and make it, it just, again, it, you can look, you can find references that, you know, it, of course it makes you feel full. Yeah. Chia seeds act in the same way. Um, but would you have like a handful of chia seeds? You know, it's just, so mm-hmm. I think again, it, it's astounding to me only because I think, and I, I haven't, we haven't, you have our nut case, but we, you know, we haven't developed, you know, a lot of products, but we do have um, products in our office. And our thought is always like, who is this contraindicated for? What's, you know, who's going to, if we say have this amount, have 10 times that, what notes do we need to add? So I think that that is a little irresponsible with something that isn't just fiber that you'd eat in broccoli to not have a little bit more instruction involved. And that's some of the problem with the diet though, because it seems like we had, we talked to someone who was, who, who suffered from the diet, but it sort of seems like it evolved that in, in the early days, it was an eating plan. And then all of these supplements came into the picture and then it became three shakes a day, all mm-hmm. the fiber. I mean, it was sort of mm-hmm. the evolution of this plan. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the, I think it's two years roughly with the, the powders. Um, but prior to that, it, there were um, bran crackers being used. Um, and I have an email from um, someone who was a former client of theirs 
and there are, let's say, four grams of wheat bran in each of these crackers. And the dietitian was suggesting 12 of them, you know, a day throughout the wow. day. So mm-hmm. it might not have been the fibers, but there were always, there always was this sort of supplemental fiber component. Um, and again, like that's, it, it is making you feel full, but what else is it crowding out? And should our diet be built around these items? And to think some of the girls were, um, uh, you know, that, that are coming forward, they were kind of just making excuses or, or ignoring it or blaming it on other things when they were feeling these odd feelings or getting these reactions, because, uh, a lot of times with a quick fix or something that you think is going to happen and it's going to be a shortcut to losing weight or dieting, people are intrigued by that. So maybe that's why, you know, this became so popular and the F factor diet became so popular. And it's not always, you know, for me, I always say, eat the fresh foods, eat whole foods, do what mm-hmm. feels good and makes your body feel like it's, you know, thriving and, and giving you energy, but that's not easy for everybody to, to, you know, to feel that way. No. And you bring up such a good point because again, I, I hear what I hear. I I've heard what I've heard in my office, but I definitely, you know, both preparing for this podcast and really just trying to understand what was happening. I've never, you know, I've never done this diet. So I did, I spoke to somebody who's um, actually a producer who had tried it and said, you know, and again, all of so many of these people are super smart, super savvy, um, mainly females who I've spoken to. So, um, you know, again, we can all be um, fall prey to this. And she said, I really thought there was something wrong with me. Like, why was this, you know, hyped, you know, uh, plan where people were looking so good and feeling so well, why did I feel like, I think she said she always felt like she had something in her throat from the fiber. And so she felt like a failure. And I was like, you know, that's really interesting. There were probably, um, you know, tons of people feeling exactly like you were, but they didn't have a forum to discuss it. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming people must have gotten results too, though. I mean, nothing like this could be so perpetuated, um, you know, without people getting results. The other crazy part to me is $20,000. Like the, the, I mean, I like, that's a lot of money. I can't imagine, you know, I wish I was an RD if you can command that kind of fees, right? Lauren, I mean, do you charge $20,000 for 10 sessions? No, of course, nobody does. Um, But I think here's the thing, though. Um, I, I don't know that you joke about it. But like, I don't know that you would if you could, we had a little conversation yesterday. And if you are charging that your, you know, your clientele is a very limited, you know, people who can afford that. And I think that what I like, about, you know, sort of our food trainers clients is that, you know, they're not just one income bracket. Yes, it's a it's a service that is one on one. But, you know, they're not just sort of this New York elite, but, you know, sort of a mom in the middle of the country and, you know, a, a teacher here. So I think, again, it, it does say something about who who the brand or at least the private practice portion of the brand caters to. I don't think everybody in the practice commands those fees, but it's not inexpensive. And to so, know that they were looking to the people at F Factor as dietitians and they were getting guidance from them. So they thought they were being told correct information. And in terms of some of the diet plans or some of the things that they like the $20,000 session, Megan was talking about that clients came to them for help to seek whether in Liz's case, um, you know, gaining weight, but just a plan for help and for guidance. So, I mean, I think if I pay $20,000, I assume I'm, I'm being told the truth, but so how do we sort of evaluate the hallmarks of a healthy diet of a healthy plan? How do we find a plan that's right for us? If our 
listeners are saying, hey, you know, I want to get healthy. I want to lose the quarantine 15. Like Mm -hmm. what what should we know when evaluating a diet? Yeah, well, I think, first of all, any I think when I was thinking about this topic, any registered dietitian, we have to be sure that, you know, whether you could overdo and underdo anything. Right. So we want to make sure from nutrients to fiber to water to um, another topic, alcohol, um, are people having too much, too little or the right amount to meet their goals? So I think, first of all, it needs to be personalized. Um, and second, it needs to be, you know, reflected of we, there are professional standards. And I actually pulled a couple, few of them because I think it, it just is probably states it better than I can. And I can give you the link, but, you know, one was practice using an evidence-based approach with areas of comp, of competence and, um, reflecting the science. So there's no science for this amount of fiber. There's no science for unlimited alcohol. So I think that, you know, if, if things sound a little bit shady, um, I oh, I didn't realize so there was also unlimited alcohol in this plan. That's wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's an important topic. I mean, it's on their homepage, which I hadn't been to until this week. And it's, you know, something to the effect of somebody can probably quote it, but like, you know, drink alcohol, exercise very little or something like that. I should probably get the, you could pull the the exact quote. But again, I'm, I, my, our, our clients, you know, have cocktails. I like, you know, a, a cocktail, but we, when we're looking at, you know, the risk of breast cancer or, um, you know, or the risk of any cancers for that reason, or just being a healthy person, you cannot have unlimited. I actually just wanted to give you a little quote. This was from a client of their practice. Cause I was just curious about th- those recommendations. Cause I keep hearing on F factor, um, you can drink. Um, so I asked, you know, is alcohol with alcohol um, limited? And this um, client said, I was never told to limit to limit it to a certain number of drinks, never given a threshold, never told X drinks a week. Um, I remember them telling me prior to a stressful trip with kids, drink as much as you want. It was as if alcohol was free. Um, and then another client had said, I had lots of fun with all that alcohol, but it's not a healthy prescription or something to sell yourself on. So, So those were, you know... I've never been a client, but those people have. And I think, again, if you were considering a new doctor and it said drink alcohol on the homepage, um, as much as any of us like a glass of wine or something, I think as a health professional, that should set off some red flags. So I'm staring at a post that Tanya posted onto her Instagram. It's there. You can go see it. And it's Mm -hmm. just a text post. One of her old clients sent it to me and it says a banana is 105 calories. Vodka soda is 65. Choose wisely. Yeah. So what's implied there is the, is the, is the vodka soda, the wise choice. And another, I can, I can match your quote. Um, Some, this was sent to me asking if I want another glass of wine is like asking if I want more money. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there, but the truth is that, you know, <laughs> again, and I am somebody who's, you know, published and posted healthy cocktail recipes, but even when we give talks about healthy cocktails, the, the first thing you need to say is the best amount of alcohol is zero, right? Or that no matter how much fun we have with it, this is still a toxin. So I, again, I think there's the word, I think it was even used on the Today Show if the word science and using science and having these credentials is, you know, part of what we're mentioning, then let's look at the science. Yeah, yeah. Abs- absolutely. And one more thing that we really would love to get your opinion on is there's been a lot of talk around this situation about 
eating disorders mm-hmm. and how perhaps this diet triggers them or encourages mm-hmm. them. Do you have anything to say on that topic about sort of what people should be careful of or what might be a red flag, something like that? Yeah, I mean, I, again, this is like, I think this is like, if this wasn't hurting so many people, it would be really like an interesting social experiment because of sort of how people react. I've had people much more so, I don't know why, maybe because of the the powders or the popularity um, within the last year who like sat for their session with me and were like, I, I literally had to suggest that they unfollow, you know, sort of the, the company that we're discussing because of how upsetting it was for them. So I, I think again, and, you know, social media is a whole other animal, but, you know, I think you always have to think about, you know, who's going to, if I post, which I won't, a picture of me in a bikini on vacation, um, who's going to be triggered by that? You know, if I post a picture of, you know, some hotel, who's going to be, not, not now because none of us are traveling, but who's going to be triggered because they don't have access to that vacation or that. So I, I think, you know, well beyond, um, you know, sort of disordered eating and you, it, there's just a responsibility to, um, you know, sort of be conscious of, of what you're putting out there. Yeah. Look, there is so much to unpack here. And I think you really hit the nail on the head, you know, and I think, um, you know, it seems to me like you guys were kind of, I like to call, uh, you know, it's like you like were litter mates. You kind of came up in the same genre, you know, you and a lot of other kind of highly revered dietitians, you know, Mm -hmm. what do you think it is about this particular community that was so alluring um, in, in such an, I, I mean, I hate to use the word cult, but like just colloquially, I mean, you know, I, yeah. it just is kind of like that. What do you think that's about? Yeah. I mean, right before you say that, I just really want to say, cause you talked about sort of like, you know, the, the dietitians that I came up with and, you know, um, we both know a lot of them. And I just have to say that, especially even in the New York dietitian circle, but there are so many excellent dietitians out there and we refer to each other and we collaborate and we, if, if something's not a good fit for me, there's, you know, sort of, you know, one of my favorite friends and dietitians who even connected us, um, et cetera. So that for the most part, that's what you have. And then you have exactly what you were discussing this, you know, sort of, and I've heard stories and I really kind of chalked it up to, to each their own, you know, I do what I want and this person does what they want until it became like a little bit more and dangerous until I was hearing people, you know, sort of really affected by social media. Why is it so alluring? I mean, I think it's very polarizing. I think to 50% of people, it's super alluring. And to 50%, they're like, that would never, you know, like not in a million years, as it is with anything. Um, I think there's the element of glamour that was sort of dangled, you know, sort of mixed in with the fiber was, you know, sort of fanciness and all of that. Um, I think that, um, you know, sort of the expert at hand is very convincing and, um, you know, sort of has, you know, sort of these canned lines that, you know, sound like they're, um, you know, sort of really going to, I mean, I was watching some of the media appearances and I was like, oh my God, I think she's pulling me in, you know, just because it sounds, you know, it's such a sell um, in in terms of of what it offers. I I don't know, I, I think, but it definitely, you're right. It's beyond just, um, a dietitian who has, you know, sort of a, a thriving practice, that kind of thing. But like just one thing I think I'd be remiss in leaving out 
I've, you know, seen quotes recently that, you know, sort of I'm in business to make women feel their best. And, um, you know, I am fully proud of what I do. And I think you just can't say that you're, um, you know, on one hand out to make women feel their best and then turn a blind eye on their symptoms and complaints and pain. Um, because, in, in, and even, even if you believe in products, you know, believing in your products and having empathy are, is not mutually exclusive. And I think that had there been that reaction on the part of the company, like, whoa, 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 we thought we had something great, but like, this is worrisome. Um, I think everyone would have been a lot more understanding. And, and to me, that's just the conundrum in all of this. When we were um, interviewing Emily earlier, it was wild because she said the same thing. She said, you know, maybe everybody, once one person started talking about it, you know, 10,000 DMs she had about this. And that was in what, two weeks versus how long has this company been around? And there was hardly any negative complaints to be found. So to your point, you know, you would hope that you would want to help people and you would want to correct this if it was, if there was a problem and not just hide the the, you know, the complaints. No. And let, I mean, and let's just give the benefit of the doubt. Let's say they had no idea that, you know, mm-hmm. sort of people were bleeding from their tushies, you know, like, okay. <laughs> um, like even that, then you, like we, I mean, we do a lot of research and we, you know, have products and apple cider vinegar and vitamin D and sort of pretty middle of the road stuff. Somebody, even if it's not, even if I don't feel, if somebody has an adverse reaction, I can't sleep for days just because it came, it came from my recommendation and they're not feeling well. And, you know, and then it's, you know, sort of bending over backwards to figure out how to make this person feel good. So um, that's what really leaves me sad about all of this is that um, it's a really privileged position to sort of say like, oh, no, no, the products are great, this and that. There, there's issues. I mean, I, who can say there aren't? Um, this many people are you, even if you don't listen to one complaint, do you listen to a hundred, a thousand? So yeah, I think that's, you know, sort of just unforgivable. Yeah, Lauren, I really think you hit the nail on the head there because at the end of the day, and I think when we all started following this, we also had the same reaction. Uh, I kind of felt bad for her because I was like, oh my God, I'm sure she didn't set out to make a product that was harmful, which I'm still sure yeah. she didn't. That's not, yes. nobody thinks that. But I think the problem is the reaction or the lack thereof and just not really valuing, not allowing people to be heard and and not making people feel like their complaints are being taken seriously. I think the reason that we chose to have Emily on and give her a platform is because we have been following what she's uncovered. These are real people and they're Mm -hmm. in pain and they're suffering. And there's a lot, there's a lot here. And, uh, and like, like we talked about yesterday on our call, you know, it's really kind of a a three pronged situation, right? There's something going on with their products, but there's also a lot going on mentally with these women. And I think that's really what we need to address and to help people heal from this and to move forward and not make it about pointing fingers at one individual. I think there's a lot as a society that this kind of, this is a bit of a peek under the hood of how women value themselves and, you know, looking for a quick fix, going to any lengths for vanity over health. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what it gets to the root of. And I'm so grateful that there are people in practice like you who very clearly have their priorities aligned and are passing that along to your clients. So thank you for that. 
Yeah, no. And again, I think I speak for a lot of RDs. You know, I think I'd like to think I'm good at what I do, but I also think that like most health professionals, like truly at the root want to help, help other people, you know, before ego, before fame, before any of those things. So, and I agree with you. I don't think that let's create a product that's going to really mess people up was at the, you know, sort of gist of this. However, even I don't have a food science background. I just think there was a carelessness and a lack of responsibility with, you know, sort of for the masses, what were 176,000 powders we told were sold, that you're not thinking about um, whether this is too much fiber, whether this is an ingredient you should have in this amount, um, you know, and whether, um, you know, this is, you know, sort of the, the right thing for everybody. So, you know, I, I think even before the reaction, there was a little bit of, you know, sort of missing the ball. Absolutely. And thank you for that. And I think more will be revealed because, you know, there has been uh, an implication. She's basically said that there's going to be the release of more COAs, you know, her certificate of analysis. And I think we'll all keep our, an eye on this. But to be honest, I think at the end of the day, like, that's not really what a lot of us even care about. I think we're looking for someone to take a little bit of responsibility and, you know, hopefully uh, media outlets like us and like all the other people shedding a light on this will will inspire her to, to do that and to do the right thing. So we just are so grateful that you joined us today and, and gave us your expert insight because it was really, really helpful. Oh, thank you for having me. It was, you know, I think it's just important for so many reasons. Yeah. Anything else you want to leave us with? No, I mean, I, I think, you know, I think at the end of the day that, you know, sort of, I always think like, what are, what are the lessons in this, you know, and I think it's not about like one company or one, you know, or that kind of thing, because there's a lot of food plans out there or products that aren't necessarily sound. And I always say like, you know, sort of don't do a million new things at once. If you introduce something new, really pay attention, you know, how is your energy, sleep, skin, you know, are you having any side effects, that kind of thing. Um, so that's important. You're really listening. You're you are the own, the only, the main expert when it comes to your body, and I think we all just have to be more careful with, um, you know, anything we consume, whether it's on social media or you know, sort of on our plates. Whatever you're doing regularly needs to make you feel good, and if it's not, look elsewhere. Amen. That's Great words well. of advice. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I would like to leave uh, our audience with that. And thank you again for joining us. And everyone at home, thank you for listening in today. This was a really powerful episode for us. I, I hope it was for you all as well. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. We are found anywhere podcasts are consumed. And don't forget to follow us on the gram at Off the Gram Podcast. We'll see you next time. <laughs>